building spirituality, family, health, and business. This is The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant. Welcome, Giant Builders. All right, today we have Sherry Jensen, in which she is a reading interventionist, a consultant, founder of a group called Creatively Breaking Free, and co-founder of Confident Kids Academy. Welcome, Sherry. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. I'm so happy to have you with us. I'm not quite sure where to start. There's so many questions. <laughs> Why don't we talk about being a family? How do we build our relationships with the kids and giving them responsibilities? What is your take on what's important in that area? Well, I just think that chores are such an important part of, um, of building identity in our kids. And unfortunately, our children are going through, so many of our children are going through an identity crisis, trying to figure out who they're supposed to be. And in this world that is really unsettling in the moment. And so we can, our family is the place that, the first place that they see that begins to build identity in kids. And so one of the powerful ways that we can build identity in kids is through the chores, like doing things together as a family. For example, everyone plays a, has a part to play in what, in, in your chores. So you can give even the smallest of kids, you can have them categorize by unloading just the silverware and putting the spoons where they go and the forks where they go and the knives where they, the butter knives where they go so that they can get used to the, just having a job, knowing that what they do matters and that it's important in our family. And then also working on the categorization as a preschool skill anyway. Um, you can like having them fold their own laundry and be responsible for their own laundry, but making sure that we don't have these expectations. The hardest thing I think for a lot of moms is letting go and being okay with it, not being perfect. And the way I always looked at it is, you know, when they're four years old, it doesn't have to look perfect. You know, if they have wrinkles in their clothes, who's going to notice. Right. And so but my expectation is by the time that they're grown, when it actually matters to them, they'll know how to do it. So if I can start that process of, of folding their laundry, putting at least their underwear away, even when they're two and three, but folding, be, beginning to fold at four, you know, all of those things, those are things that build autonomy in our kids, but they also build identity in we, we, we're all in this together we do all of our yard work has always been done together. So we would work on if we were pulling weeds, then I would have one area and the kids would have another area or one would be in charge of raking the other would or raking up the weeds that, that, that we pulled. And another one would be in charge of, of putting them in the bag and another. So everybody has a different job and a different responsibility and also keeping it a joyful thing that we're in this together. It's not this drudgery. It's time to spend time together. And of course, they're not going to be like, yay, okay, I'm so excited. I can't wait to pull weeds. 
you know, of course they're going to complain. But what was always amazing to me is with all their complaints that they had in the beginning, at the end that they would be so happy and joyful about the fact that we're doing it together and we accomplished our goal as a family together. And so we would always, so my kids didn't drink soda, still don't for the most part, but um, except during special times. And our special time was after doing yard work. So we would all sit down and have our soda and um, in the hot sun and, and it was like our celebration for this chore that we did together as a family things like that matter to our kids. They need to have a sense of identity and they need to have a sense of what I do in my family matters and it, um, and I am important in my family. My family would not be the same without me. And that's the attitude that we want to portray, but we also want to portray that about the, how they see the world too, that this world You have gifts that no one else has that are specific to you. And without you in this world, this world would not be the same, you know, and that you can change your little piece of the world. So being able to speak identity into them too, which I'll get into a little bit more, um, but in a little bit. But another thing is like when you're going somewhere, um, having delegating things like when we go boating, we all have our own responsibilities to get the boat in the water. So like my job is to unlock the the padlocks and and uh, to the boat garage and 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 open up the door. One of my kids, he's in charge of helping his dad, guiding his dad backwards to, to hook up the trailer. One of my kids, his job is to get all the life jackets and put them all in the boat. And so we all have important jobs. And when somebody slacks off in their job, it affects the whole group. So again, that's building identity in them. What you do matters to us and we need you. Um, Another thing is like um, team uh, or celebrating victories. Like if they're winning, if, if one of my kids wins something, we celebrate together. We, we all go out for CC's like all of us are black belts in Taekwondo. Um, my three boys and I, and it didn't start out that way. It started out because my, my middle son has sensory processing disorder and ADHD and I was taking him to Taekwondo because that's what his occupational therapist said was, was really uh, valuable for getting that brain body connection. And I was there anyway. So I'm like, well, I may as well be exercising. And then my other kids decided they wanted to join too, but it became this tradition of every time somebody would test for their next belt, we'd go out to CC's pizza and have pizza. And then after, after they did their competition, um, then they would, we'd go out for ice cream. So, um, so it's like setting traditions where you celebrate together is also, and where you're celebrating each other is also super valuable. So I have a chore question. Mm-hmm. So do does everybody do the same chore each time? I mean, do you assign a specific chore or like when you go out, say like boating, do you rotate the chores? Well, boating, no, because, because, each person has a chore that, that they can do. 
So like my little one can't do the same chores as the other ones. And so they have different, we have different chores based on our own abilities and, and in a rhythm. So if we switched up those chores, then we wouldn't have a rhythm anymore. Based on their ability. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But chores in the house, um, you can do it any, any number of ways. One thing that I do most times now is I make a list of all the chores that need to be done. And then they put their initials next to the things that they're going to do. And as long as we all get them done and we're all working at the same time, it doesn't matter to me who's doing what. So, okay. okay. Good tip. All right. I'm sorry. What's your next point? Let's see. Well, one of the things that I was thinking about as far as building identity in kids is the prayer. Like if you, if you pray with your kids um, or, or if, you know, depending on what your beliefs are, but if you're praying with your kids, speaking identity, like if you, if you believe that your kids were created intentionally created, and you believe that there's a purpose and a plan for their lives, then speak that into their lives. So, so for me, it's saying to my kids regularly saying, you know, praying with them, but saying, Lord, thank you for Nolan. Thank you for the purpose and the plans that you have for his life. Thank you that no, there's no one else that can do the things that you created him specifically to do. And thank you that you, that, that you're changing, that he's going to change the world, his little piece of the world with the things that you have for him. Praying with them in that respect, they're listening. And when they hear you say that, they automatically, they believe it in, in the core of who they are. So then it frees them up to think outside of the box and be their own person and be who they who they believe that they were created to be and not hold themselves back by putting themselves in boxes that, you know, that they, that they don't need to be in mm-hmm. and to break loose of the labels that the rest of society puts on us. We're in a super label happy fam or a society right now where there is a label for everything. And I see it, especially as a reading specialist, It amazes me if you just look at like the category of ADHD, if you go look up, there are many categories of ADHD that just have evolved in maybe the last five to 10 years. And so we breaking off those labels, we can break off those labels or speak a better message than the labels that they're hearing in society. I have ADHD or I I, I can't focus. I can't do this. All the I can'ts in the world um, when we talk about their purpose and, the, and their plans and that it's okay that that you struggle in these other areas because you have a gift that no one else has and you're going to find out what it is. And of course, you want to work on on the things that you struggle with. But let's, you know, just be assured that who you are is aside from all those labels and and those things that hold you back. In our house, we don't call it ADD. We call it ADG. So it's attention deficit gifted because we see it as the people who founded our nation, our country, they had to be attention deficit. I mean, if you think about if they had labels back then, 
all those explorers and all those people had to be attention deficit. So we look at it as a gift that we need to help when our children were growing and my husband, you know, we, we see it as a gift that they have special to find out what they can use it for. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like, if you think about it, everybody, if we were all the same, boy, life would be such a boring, yeah, it would be so boring, but also we wouldn't be able to do the, as societies, we wouldn't be able to do the amazing things that we can do. And we need those people, you know, especially like the people that think outside of the box. And this is a different topic, but it's a topic that I'm really passionate about, about teaching our kids to be okay with thinking outside of the box. You don't have to fit the mold. Mm-hmm. And really, we can't prepare our kids for tomorrow in the ways that we prepared them for or that we were prepared. Like we don't we can't possibly know what tomorrow is going to look like with technology changing. And then there's COVID and everything else. But even before that, there's so many things that are changing constantly. All we can do is teach our kids to be adaptable, teach them to think outside of the box, teach them to be secure in their own thinking and, and have an entrepreneurial um, mindset that, you know, that it's okay to be, think outside of the box. It's okay to problem solve and, Mm -hmm. and to come up with solutions that nobody else has come up with. And that's what our society is going to need in the next era, I, I believe. And so um, those are all parts of building identity. And it's so sad that our society right now is so stuck in these kids. That, you know, depression is so much higher. Suicide, anxiety, like all of these, these different negative um, well, and this, the peer pressure on social media is just, I have no clue. I mean, I am so glad that my kids, Facebook was coming out when my kids were in high school, because I would have no clue how to deal with that right now with a young person. And I feel the same way. I mean, I have boys. My boys started out their life in in a little, on the side of a mountain in Colorado. And so they learned how to like, build and, and, uh, and, and play together with Legos and like, they were each other's best friends because they really had to be, I'm not saying they didn't fight, they did, but, and they definitely annoyed each other, but they learned how to, um, really rely on each other and not get, not get caught up in what everybody else thinks from an early age. So, so I I think in some ways I'm, uh, I mean, I'm super thankful of that because they, they're actually very so anti-social media <laughs> a lot more than, than, uh, than we are, but I'm thankful that it would be so hard for me if I had a daughter. That's the thing that I think about because it just affects girls in such a different way, social media, because of uh, how social we are as, as females. Mm-hmm. What's your next point? Um, well, one of the things that I was also going to talk about having a, uh, a coat of arms, like, or as something that, that identifies your family. So, and I don't, I have no idea how I came up with this, but 
we had this old coat coat of arms for our family that had our family. It was a crest, family That's crest or whatever that came from somewhere. And it's it just had, you know, it was just in a frame, but it had plastic, you know, it was made out of plastic. And and at, over the years, it was like, you know, we kind of took it down because it looked cheap and, and stuff like that. And I was tempted to throw it away. And then I started thinking, you know, we our family is known for certain things. And so I decided to put on, um, on that family crest, like all the things that I want our family to be known for strength, courage, perseverance, and determination. And that's, that is what, I mean, yes, of course, kindness and, and things like that are, are, um, are also what we're known for, but when they were tiny, I just really wanted them to have this, view that I don't quit, you know, I keep going until I persevere through things. And we, as a family, we don't let anything stop us. We just keep going through it. doesn't matter what the obstacle is. We're going to keep working. And that's, that's what makes us who we are. So um, if, I don't know if that helps anybody with that, that was really pivotal for me to be thinking about, right. Yeah, I could speak that that into, this is what the Jensen's are, this is what the Jensen's are known for, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and so then when they do things that are not in alignment with that, we can say, that's not who you are. For example, my son, he was being silly with one of his friends, and he, he's a middle schooler and middle schoolers just sometimes aren't, I I feel like boys in general, well, girls too, but anyway, middle schoolers say things without thinking. They're still trying to figure out that filter. Right. And he said said something to another kid that was a friend of his. And he's like, he's like, uh, he told this other kid, well, as long as you're not like this you know like wild and crazy like this kid then or something like that and then and then he said no offense but people people don't like you or something like that and I'm like I can't believe the words that are coming out of your mouth right now like you know like and so of course I talked to him about it but I love the way my my husband handled it later that night too um about, you know, he was like, that's not who you are. That's not, that is, you are known for being kind and being, being such a good friend to people. Why are you acting in ways that are not who you are? So speaking into their identity, even when they're, um, when they're making those choices that, you know, are contrary to who you create, who, who they were created to be and who you are building them up to be mm-hmm. or growing them to be, um, I think is, is super valuable too. And it's, it's completely different to say, you shouldn't do that. Da, 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 that's me, you know, to say, um, why are you doing that? That's not who you are. Oh, you are. Yeah. Yeah. You are kind. Look at all the friends that you have. You, you know, I love that, that vision or that direction. I love that process of really feeding that into their mentally and just feeding that into their souls. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't, that wasn't me. Um, 
the first time. I mean, of course, I'm going, how would you feel if somebody said that about you? You know, and it just didn't have the same effect, even though I was trying to, you know, use my own skills. But when my husband said that, I'm like, oh, that's so good. Mm -hmm. It just completely has a different effect. And when the dad says it, you know, it's, it's, it's powerful, you know, not to say anything against us, but there's something about when dad says that's not who you are. Mm -hmm. It's, it's something that kids take, take, they heed, you know? Oh yeah. And I, I think the other thing is we were talking about the people who are great in our, you know, like you said, our, what our country is founded on. And it's true. We can even look at like Edison. Edison was, um, Edison was, had to be homeschooled because he was labeled adult, like stupid um, or whatever, you know, like, yeah, they just called him stupid. And, and yet Edison holds, still holds the record for the world record for the most patents. Now I know that he didn't create or invent all of those things. He had teams that helped him and stuff, but the truth is he was still above those. And he was still, he may not have been coming up with every one of those ideas, but he created an environment for people to excel and to think outside of the box and be creative and, and the same with like Steve Jobs. And if I don't remember, I, I believe that Steve Jobs did have some sort of diagnosis of either dyslexia hmm. um, and possibly ADHD. I'm pretty sure, yes, he had dyslexia or has, yeah, had dyslexia, but I want to say he also had ADHD. But anyway, um, like if you, I love my favorite quote that Edison says is I haven't failed. I've just found 10,000 ways it didn't work. And so that's also part of their identity, teaching them that it's okay that every time we make a mistake, our brain grows. If we did everything perfect, our brain wouldn't actually grow. It wouldn't change. We wouldn't form new neurons. It is through struggle and through trying to figure something out that are, that the new neurons are formed. So having that, I, you know, keep trying keep going um mentality is super super important um for their identity as well did you have any other tips one more thing is when my kids would get in their fights and they would be mad at each other there were a few things that i did to handle it i mean one of them was making them hug each other and tell each other that they were sorry Mm -hmm. there is something about having them hug each other, that physical contact that just breaks down walls in, in a way like my kids couldn't stay mad at each other if they had to hug each other. And it's so funny, even now, you know, I have a 21 year old, an 18 year old and a 13 year old now. And if one of like, if they would pester the youngest one until he ended up uh, really upset and, and they hurt, you know, hurt him, hurt his feelings or whatever. They, now they'll just go up to him and, and, and 
give him a hug and be like, oh, come here, you know, and then they like do this <laughs> crazy kind of dance together, you know, just to yeah. be crazy and none of, and then end up smiling, you know, so they, they work through, there's something about physical contact that I think is super valuable in them working through stuff um, together when they're arguing the other thing or when they hurt each other and Mm -hmm. and acknowledging it the other thing is talking to them about like people will come and go in your life and the people who are your best friends may not be your best friends in five years from now or 10 years from now especially when you're kids because usually your friends that you have in elementary school are not typically your friends that you have in middle school or your friends that you have in high school or your friends that you have as an adult and so um, being aware that, you know, like your family is what you have. And so we all need to figure this out. We need to figure out how to get along with each other and how to be loving to each other because we're all we've got. We are the stability and we have to be there for each other. And I think that that translate when we have a whatever it takes attitude toward our siblings, then we have a whatever it takes attitude toward our spouses when we grow up. And we don't, we don't uh, as easily walk out of relationships. We just figure out how to dig in the, dig in and, and figure it out and, and forgive and, and allow each other to grow and be who they are and celebrate who they are in, in each other, you know, and also talking about, about the differences, like my kids are night and day different. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a son who has sensory processing disorder, who the first year of his life was so brutal for everyone because he had light sensitivity. So every time we got in the car, he would just scream. If the sun came into his face, he scratched his ears until they were bleeding for the first Mm -hmm. two months of his life because he had ear sensitivity. He didn't eat anything. He, he would get overstimulated. Like we had to carry a swing in the back of our truck. um, If we were going down to the city because we, the only way to calm him down to soothe him was to put him in a dark room and let him swing himself to sleep, um, screaming the whole way. And so we had things that made it super difficult for like his older brother to navigate because his older brother is two and a half years older than him. And he was rambunctious and and loud and had fun. And, and, you know, so you go on a road trip and he's talking the whole time and, you know, and the little one is overstimulated within the half an hour and, and is screaming his head off. And we're going on a road trip. Every road trip we went on, I'd be on the side of the road crying halfway through the trip myself because (laughs) I was like, I can't take it. If I, if it was just me and the boys traveling, but seeing how, even though they have these huge differences, seeing how, how they can be compassionate to each other and how close they are. And, and um, when my middle son got, became an Eagle Scout, it was just so beautiful because he, he gave his mentor pin to his big brother. And oh, he talked wow. about how his brother uh, was on a camp out with, or they were on in Boy Scout camp and he was feeling super lonely and sad and was crying in his tent and his brother saw him 
and went got all the other leaders and told them that that his brother was feeling sad and everything. And so they designated an international Nolan Day and they put him up on their shoulders and they carried him through the camp and um, and celebrated him and took him to out for for um took him to get chocolate and then all these kids because he would make messes because he didn't have the he just wasn't aware of mess you know because of his sensory stuff so he'd have chocolate like everywhere that was his thing and so they all went and bought chocolate and they all went through and they all got it on their fingers and made the messes of themselves and it was like this celebration thing of, of Nolan International Nolan Day but it was so powerful because he could have let, you know, his big brother could have been, I mean, I'll be the first to say my big brother was like, I don't know who she is. She's just some girl, you know, like he disowned me as his sister. If somebody asked who I was in the lunchroom, you know? And so, so seeing him take care of his little brother was just, really super powerful and he talked about that he told that story during his eagle scout ceremony and gave him his pen and my bro my my oldest son um he he teared up because it was so emotional so anyway i i think that's that was just really it's really special to see them yeah that is a very special story what a blessing any closing thoughts i think the big thing is just you know, what we do every day matters in our interactions with them and being aware, what are the messages that we're giving to our kids that are building their identity right now? Are we building in them identity that they are that, that who they are is enough? Or is the identity that we're building them in them, that there's somebody that has to be fixed, and there's somebody that has to, you know, and of course, they're, we're all on the journey, but we want our kids to not feel like they're a project that has to be fixed or a burden or a pain or, you know, any of those things. We want them to feel like they're important and valuable and a value to our society that mm -hmm. unique and special. And so. Well, that is so great. I mean, yeah, because we each have our own talents, our own gifts, our own thoughts, our own personalities. And, all together, we make up the creation that God brought together. So God has something special for each one of us. Definitely. And we can help our kids to walk in that. So many people today have all these gifts. And I think it's Miles Monroe who said something like, it was something like the greatest wealth is in the graveyard because it's all the ideas that were never brought to fruition and uh, all of the ideas that died well a lot of that is because of the identity like if we don't believe that who we are is unique and that what we have matters and that we have gifts inside of us and that we're and and that we and if we don't believe that we can persevere through things and if we don't believe those things about ourselves then whatever I mean just think if Steve Jobs didn't didn't act out on the things like it was a compulsion for him. I don't, I think he was just wired that way, but it was also very intentional. Somebody, somebody reinforced that in his life too. And he acted on it and he didn't let anything stop him. 
Same with Walt Disney. Walt Disney claimed bankruptcy like four times or something. His dad was so mad at him that he was going to a cartoonist. When he told his dad he wanted to be a cartoonist, his dad was furious with him for a long time after that. So there was that piece. Like he had so many things that he had to navigate. But you look at him now, like all the things that have benefited or how what an impact Walt Disney has made in our world. Mm-hmm. Same with Benjamin Franklin um, and Thomas Edison and, and all the women and all the other ethnicities that have contributed in, in our society and making it so amazing, mm-hmm. you know? Well, Sherry, I thank you so much for these encouraging words and um, just these great ideas on how to bring our children up. I really appreciate your thoughts and time. Thank you. Thank you. It's been an honor being here with you. Thanks. All right, Giant Builders, we'll see you next Tuesday at 2. Thank you for listening. This has been The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant.